Welcome to the latest episode of In the Ring with Sumo Heavy. I'm your host, John Suter. With me is our writer, Research, and one of my faithful co-hosts on the other podcast that we run, the e-commerce minute, Brittany Blackman. Hello, Brittany. Hello. Hello. And with us today on the show is Gertrude Allen. Gertrude has two decades of experience growing consumer-facing businesses in the U.S. and Europe and is the CEO of PetPlate, an early-stage direct-to-consumer brand in the fast-growing human-grade pet food category. No spoilers here. We'll let Gertrude tell the rest of her story herself. But Gertrude, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. Nice to uh, be here today. So let's get started. Um, we're going to let you do your origin story. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Sure. So um, born and raised in New York, um, went to uh, NYU and graduated with a degree in journalism and specialized in public relations um, and quickly found out that I really wanted to spend more time in marketing. So um, I had an opportunity to move to Europe um, in the 90s and work for a large uh, marketing agency over there and um, worked really across Europe, Middle East and Africa, which was just great exposure to different cultures and um, obviously, you know, many different businesses, mostly in the CPG world. And um, I I gravitated towards food and beverage. Um, When I came back to the U.S., I started to get involved with retail, food retail. So worked for a brand called Tasty Delight. We grew that business, um, expanded it across the U.S., and then sold it to a private equity firm. And that's really where I cut my teeth in investing and had the opportunity to work with some terrific investors and really sort of understood how the power um, of investing in small businesses, medium-sized businesses, and what it can do, you know, in terms of the the, the growth and and you know eventual exits. So. Um, kind of leaped over into the investing world and joined uh, a company called Bram Project. So an early stage uh, consumer venture fund uh, with really a bias towards investing in subscription commerce. So brands that, um, consumer brands that were sold um, digitally native platforms, sold online to the consumer. Um, but they, you know, the thesis was like a repeat revenue base is really um, kind of you know, really exciting and 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 great um, for growth. And so, uh, we invested in companies like uh, Freshly, Daily Harvest, uh, Persona, and uh, where I got really involved uh, at the time I got involved with the fund, we we were looking to make an investment in the human grade dog food space, and we chose PetPlate. We we got involved with Ronaldo Webb, the founder, and really liked what he was doing. And um, as part of that role, uh, I played as an investor in the business. I also really added some, tried to add some value in terms of bringing my background in human food uh, to to bear on this new category of pet food, all human grade ingredients. So, you know, kind of just provided some high level guidance in terms of the manufacturing, the marketing, um, et cetera. And six months in as an investor, I was asked by the board, uh, and uh, which includes Ronaldo Webb, the founder, to if I wanted to partner up on on that business uh, exclusively and and help uh, Ronaldo grow the grow the business. And so I joined PetPlate in April of seventeen as their CEO, and uh, we've been working very closely with Ronaldo ever since. Uh, coming up on three years that I'm, I'm inside the company, and we've uh, grown it quite a bit. We've uh, you know raised a couple of rounds of funding, which has allowed us to grow the, the, uh, the company, the, the uh, number of employees. Um, we'll probably be at about 25 people by the end of this year. And, uh, you know, we service, you know, we, we sell the product into every state in the U.S. And, um, and again, it's, it's a subscription commerce business. So basically today, all of the sales that we make are, you know, a subscription, you know, easily paused and canceled, but we definitely have that, you know, 
that revenue, the repeat revenue is, is, uh, is fantastic and it's helped us to grow kind of exponentially, you know, relative to, and, you know, maybe a, you know, a product that might be sold offline in the stores. Um, you know, that said, we are looking to launch an e-commerce function on our site this quarter. Okay, so uh, let's step. Let's take a step back. When you were doing investing, what what drew you to the subscription food business? And then let's talk about what kind of led you down that path to the human grade pet food market, which yeah. is kind of a unique in itself. Yeah. Well, look, we had seen the growth of e-commerce over the past decade, right? It just ballooned, and it's like you know the idea of being able to sell a product a disposable product or consumable product um, that just inherently needs to be reordered. Just the, the stickiness of that model really appealed to us as investors. Um, it really does create this kind of, you know, exponential growth effect um, if you have good retention. And with, well, freshly in Daily Harvest in particular, we really saw extremely loyal customers that were interested in getting that product over and over again. That, you know, kind of led us to think, well, what are the other categories where people need to replace that product on a daily basis, sometimes even twice a day, and where retention would, would naturally be high? And dog food is what really hit us because um, you need to feed your dog twice a day, every day, no matter, no matter what. what. <laughs> and they're creatures of habit. You're sure. actually better off not switching their diet. Like you can once in a while. When you do, you have to transition them slowly, which is what we advise every one of our customers to do when they come in, when they're coming onto Pet Plate. And then if it works for the dog, it's really better for their digestive system not to create too much variety. I mean, you can move in between proteins, but you really shouldn't be feeding your dog raw one day, dehydrated the next day, freeze-dried the other day. I mean, you know, you got to pick a lane and stick with it. And that's just the way dogs, you know, um, work. And so it, it just inherently lends itself to being a very sticky product if it works. I mean, we still have um, customers in the very first cohort, uh, which we date back to May of 17, buying from us because, you know, again, unlike babies, which we looked at a little bit into the baby food category, you know, dog's lifespan, while it's not as long as humans, it's like a lot longer than, you know, a baby, right? Which goes out of a certain type of food. Dogs. Will, yeah. So, you know, so the baby ages out of that where the dog is your dog and you hopefully exactly. knock on wood, have your dog for 15 years. So that's great. Exactly. So, so yeah, because what I would, the thing I was going to address is about the nature of the subscription business in that you have, you have churn and you have, especially in the food box businesses, we've done a bunch of podcasts about, uh, you know, HelloFresh, Blue Apron and all those in that you just get to the point where you're like, eh, you're either burned out or you're going, this costs too much money or whatever. Right. But conversely, if you're, you're talking dogs or babies, well, you don't stop feeding your baby and you certainly don't, don't stop feeding your dog. So you basically took that approach where it was like, what would, ge what would give you the, the least amount of churn, product churn? Right. It wasn't that, oh, I'm into dog food, but it was, most, it was mostly just from a pure business. Right. Retention, it means everything in this sort of business because you have a lot of upfront customer acquisition costs that you're trying to amortize over time. So the idea is, you know, you get them in through like a, a promotion, a discount on the first box. Really, it's a, it's a way of sampling the product because you're not in store to do that. But then you need that repeat, you know, order uh, pattern in order to recoup that initial customer acquisition cost. And then obviously over time, you know, you you get to the lifetime value that you're you're trying to achieve. So, um, yeah, I mean, the 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 dog food um, definitely made sense in that, that regard. And then the other thing is that, you know, the, one of the 
inherent difficulties with meal kits, sort of the original meal kits, the blue aprons of the world, is that they require a fair amount of work, right? I mean, they're trying to take a lot of the work out of, out of the process by you know, providing the ingredients and the recipes, but you still have to cook it. Right. And what we've seen, and there's a common thread through all of the, the companies in, in the brand project portfolio is that, you know, the products that our, our uh, founders deliver are really either ready to eat, ready to heat, you know, maybe ready to blend, but that's like the most complicated it gets. Um, in the case of our dog food at Pet Plate, the food is absolutely ready to eat. You can just literally take the lid off the, the cup and feed your dog right the food right out of our cup, or you can put it into their dog bowl, or if you want to serve it warm, you can pop that cup in a microwave for 30 seconds just to take the chill off. But the idea being that we're not asking you to cook, right? We're just, we're sort of trying to make this as easy as possible. And not only is the food, you know, ready to eat, but like obviously having it delivered to your door means you never really have to worry about running out of food and going to the, 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 you know, wherever you would normally buy dog food, you know, it, it typically is quite a heavy load, right? I mean, unless you have a really teeny tiny dog, you know, it's bulky and it's it's heavy and it's just not a fun thing to buy, especially since you're going to have to buy that same thing over and over and over again. It's like a never ending sure. situation. So there's just a lot of, it just checked a lot of boxes for us when we thought, because, you know, the key is, 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 you know, the platform is subscription. So you really have to know that there's like a need for that subscription or you might as well just be an e-commerce site. Yeah, no, I think that, I think it's great. And, and, and I really appreciate your explanation for that because it was one of those things where it was like, well, how do you go from doing this type of business to getting to pet grade dog food? And it really was more of a business decision. So let's talk, let's now get into pet plate itself. How do you onboard a customer? Like you have a, a customer that is interested. Mm -hmm. Do you do a sampler kit or do you, is it just straight up subscription and how do the subscriptions work? Are there different tiers? Because I was poking around a little bit on the site, but I figured sure. I'd let you explain directly. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So the way it works is we target our customer um, prospect, you know, online uh, or offline, depending on the case with, you know, digital ads or uh, influencer um, content, um, you know, occasionally we'll do an event um, and, and people will learn about us that way. We'll hand out a, a, a little brochure with a, with a promo code. And the idea is instead of delivering a trial box, we just discount that first box so that it's just more appetizing and it's a money back guarantee. So you kind of can't lose with that. And we... We really, we do start with a, a subscription, but you know it's just to pause or cancel. It's something that the consumer controls on their own through their account page. They don't need to call in or write in. You know they just go to their account page and they click a button if they don't want that next delivery to arrive. So it, for us, the reason we do that, John, is really just because it's better for us to assume they are going to want it than that they're not, and have them just you know put it on pause or cancel it if it doesn't work for them, as opposed to them having to come back a second time and kind of repeat the process and sign up for a subscription. Right. So it's more frictionless. And also from your end, you don't have to create sample size or have different type, exactly. different levels of subscriptions. Right. You're giving them the same product and you're giving them less of the reason to say, well, I just want to try it out when it's like now they've got full size portions yeah. and they can just keep going from there. That's well, and to smart. your point, we did actually at one point um, when we first started, pretty early on we did try the concept of a trial box selling them less selling the customer less food in that first box that was one model that we looked at and the the thing that was um not you know kind of you know desirable to the consumer is that then on that first box they weren't really getting the true experience of what their box would look like on an ongoing basis so they really didn't know like if they get the second box it would be the full size box but maybe they had 
some issues with the amount of food they were getting. So we just didn't want to change it up on them. And, and that's again why we went with the sort of first box discount strategy. Just to clarify though, we do have two different types of subscription. I think this is an important one because it's probably a principle that could lend itself to other subscription commerce um, brands, which is we offer a full plan, which is, you know, you you love this and you want your dog to eat human grade dog food all the time and, and, and maybe just, you know, supplement with a treat. And that's that you, you can get our full plan. Or we have a topper plan, which is something that, you know, we're, is, is, is known in the dog world, which is that, you know, you'll, you might have a core diet that consists of, you know, a dry food, but you want to top it off with some fresh food. Um, you know, there's that's many- called, that's called, that's referred to as a topper. Okay. So, so you have dry food and then you put the wet food on top. Exactly. That and, okay. and that's a, that's a, you know, concept that is, is universally known in the dog world, but our version of that is just, it allows you to a, sometimes, you know, consumers will want to kind of feel out the whole fresh category. And so it allows them to kind of ladder up to eventually a full plan. Other people say, you know what, this type of food, you know, I want my dog to have that existing diet, but I do want to supplement it with fresh. So that allows, it allows for that. So it just, it, it's a, it allows for a lot of versatility, the topper plan. Um, and about 20% of our business is, is a topper. Awesome. So let's take a step back and talk about, let's talk about how you uh, met Ronaldo and yeah. what his background is and how he got into the fresh pet food business. Yeah, so Ronaldo Webb is the founder of Pet Plate. Um, his background is that he, MIT grad, a McKinsey consultant, um, was overworking at L. Catterton Growth on the op side, uh, happened to work in the pet food category there, um, was doing a lot of like lean manufacturing, other supply chain type optimization work for, for some of the L. Catterton portfolio companies, and really got a peek into inside what mainstream dog food is all about. And it, it, you know, it occurred to him that there was really an opportunity to disrupt that category and come out with something that is just a much better quality, much, you know, healthier product. And so um, having a dog, he decided to start cooking for the dog, his dog. And, you know, the response was, was, was terrific. I mean, the dog just, you know. And the dog's name is Winston, correct? Winston, yeah. Yeah, I've seen some of the videos. um, And then, you know, his friends and family caught on to him, you know, the fact that he, you know, this young like bachelor, you know, living in, in a city, like cooking for a dog, they, they cracked up and said, well, why are you doing it? And he explained and they said, well, we'd love to try it on our dog. And what was interesting to him was that it wasn't just that the dogs liked it, you know, that they enjoyed eating it. It was that the pet parents reported some significant improvements in the dog's health. So very, very specific, like dog used to have itch like crazy doesn't do that anymore. Yeah. Uh, tear, tear stains, you know, where the, the ducks get like clogged went away, didn't do anything else but feed him your food. And now that like, that's gone. And like, you know, it went on and on and like, yeah, like some of the dogs like stink from their diet. Like they just, because yeah, they're eating poor food, like bad, yeah. you know, poor energy, you know, overweight, like, and they were just seeing visible results in a couple of weeks. And then over a couple of months, we're like, wow, Ronaldo. It's like a different dog. It. Right. I'm, yeah. I'm saving money. Cause I'm not going to the vet as much. I'm not buying all this, pers- you know, like uh. and stuff. So he was like, wow, there's probably a real business here. And so he did leave his job in um, 16 and went, you know, did a test market in the city like a, to try to develop a proof of concept and made the food with a couple of people in a commercial kitchen in Brooklyn and hired bike messengers to just deliver it locally. And when he uh, decided to start raising some outside capital and he had met with Brand Project, uh, what we saw was a very high, going back to the retention, 
just a very high retention rate. You know, even if it was a small sample, you know, just one market, that repeat purchase was higher than we'd ever seen in human food. And we're like, that's where it all kind of the dots started to connect. And we're like, this is a company we want to be in. And at that point, so we're talking 2016 and the, there was a functioning website, like how are, how are orders coming in? Yeah, he, you know, Ronaldo built um, a, a proprietary platform um, on Ruby, Ruby on Rails. So he didn't go with like a Shopify um, solution, which is what oh, wow. a lot of companies do. He had just enough tech, I guess, knowledge to make himself dangerous. And he said, let me kind of do this and in, in kind of build it from scratch the way I want it. And part of that was because it was a subscription business. So if it were e-commerce, probably an off the shelf would have just worked fine, especially right. the first couple of years. But as it was back then, subscription commerce, not a lot of off the shelf. He felt the need to build something on it. And he own. had to get the user flow just right. So exactly. he said, forget exactly. it. I'll just build it myself. Exactly. And then he did bring in um, a CTO later that year, actually brand project um, made the intro and that gentleman is still very much involved in the day to day of the business um, on, you know, running our technology. So um, it's been great, but you know, that proprietary platform has really, really worked well for us because as we started to test and learn and we kept getting, you know, new consumer insights and we wanted to pivot, you know, change the checkout flow, change the algorithm, change the, you know, the portion. I mean, all these things constantly, you know, kind of, you have to toggle in order to get it right. We always had that, that flexibility with our platform. It's an extremely scalable platform. And you're still on Ruby on Rails. Yeah. Wow. That's impressive. So you say you have a, a full-time CTO, uh, your development team, uh, because this is an e-commerce uh, yeah. podcast. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Like sure. uh, you use developers, you have developers on staff or are they farmed out or how does, what's that, what's that layout? Yeah. Currently our developers are farmed out. So we, we work with, we've had a front end developer in the UK that we started working with in 2016 and have never looked back. I mean, the guy is just terrific. And it's interesting that you might think like the time difference, the geographic distance, not not a problem. Actually, kind of works to our, our advantage. Just we get more hours out of the day. Um, we also work with um, some backend developers in Costa Rica. Um, that's more of a new relationship, but we've worked with you know groups in Portugal and different countries. That sort of flexes up and down depending on the need. Right now, we have some some e-commerce uh, development um, requirements. So we're gonna bring some people in from Costa Rica, but the plan is sort of by the second half of this year, we would look to hire at least one in-house developer as well as an in-house UI UX person. Yeah, probably like a tech lead and a UX person and things like Correct. that, and then just keep farming at your development. Exactly. I know, cause uh, at Sumo Heavy, we were you know, a consulting firm and we uh, use a lot of overseas development and it works out great because they're, you know, as we start our morning, they're, they're checking out for the day. We have, you know, we have a team meeting, uh, they go on their way and then we start our day and we basically yep. pick up where they left off. So it's a 24, right. 24, seven cycle. Exactly. So it works out great. Yep. Uh, let's get into some marketing here. So your ideal customer, I would assume that this stuff is not cheap, uh, because if you compare it to like, you know, your drive bag of dog food, I mean, what is the, what is a portion cost for like, what, what can a consumer expect to pay for this? And Obviously, if we're targeting a higher tier customer, where, what's your customer acquisition strategy like? Sure. So, I mean, the price per meal really is as low as about $1.50. Um, that could go up to about $3, maybe sometimes a little bit more, just depending on the size of the dog. So it's really a function of how much food do you need to feed this dog. So if it's a 
teacup, you know, two and a half pounds, that's a very different portion size than a Great Dane, 175 pounds. So you, you get the point. Um, so there is a range, but like on average, we say price per, per meal is somewhere around $253. And, um, and, and that is more expensive than like a, a kibble and, you know, probably even a bit more than a, a premium kibble, but it's certainly a lot less expensive than like a raw food or freeze dried food. So fresh food is by no means the most expensive. It's sort of in the middle. Um, and so it's, it's a comfortable positioning given that there's such a trend right now towards the humanization of pets. There's really an overwhelming need for like more premium products in the market um, to satisfy the the current, like the modern pet parent. Um, and our, our target audience, it's interesting, it kind of falls into two pretty distinct groups. So one is what we'll call the older millennial, who is, you know, typically they have a life partner already, but they haven't had kids yet. And they treat their dog as their first child or their starter child. So they're really like enjoying like, you know, spoiling the dog, you know, they just spent a ton of time with the dog. And, um, you know, a lot of these people live in cities. And so, you know, they have to hire people to help with the dog. It really kind of feels like, you know, sort of having it, having a child. And so, you know, the idea of feeding your dog, either food that you recognize that is similar to like the way you eat, you know, meaning all natural, fresh, you know, real, real meat and vegetables, like it resonates with that target audience. And then the second group that's, you know, probably even a little bigger than, 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 than the older millennial is the empty nester. So these are people who, you know, their kids have flown the coop They're They've it's got like a grand baby. <laughs> they're trying to fill. Right. And they want to bring that dog into the house, have a little more, you know, the company companionship mm -hmm. and they have a little more time and a little more disposable income. Cause again, the kids are out on their own now and they're oftentimes real dog people. So they're, this is not their first rodeo. They've had a dog probably when they had little kids, but they didn't have the time, the money, or the energy to spend the way they can today, nor were there the options. You know, these options didn't exist 10, 15 years ago. So, you know, these premium options. So they're really excited about the ability to do kind of, you know, a little differently this time. And they're really, really passionate and, um, and it, it's great. And then, you know, in, in between there's the, 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 the couple that has a couple of kids and they're busy and we do get some people in that category, but I would just say the other two groups are far more uh, engaged at this point. Yeah. People are definitely passionate about their pets these days. And I, I always tell people, I was like, if you ever, if you're like trying to poke around and find it, figure out a business to get into, do something, either that you target rich people, which are a pain in the neck or pets because people, <laughs> no matter what happens in their life, They'll cut back. They'll cancel their Netflix, but they're not going to stop pampering your dog. So, you know, either start a pet food business or uh, you know some kind of pet sweaters or something. Yeah. So, uh, so we we've, we've defined your perfect customer. Where 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 what's your acquisition strategy? Like where where are they coming from? Yeah. Look, it's a full funnel conversion um, methodology where you're trying to create the brand awareness at the top of the funnel, reach as many eyeballs as you can. And that often is on online. It would be your, you know, your, your usual suspects, Facebook, Instagram, um, you know, the search engines, Google, Bing. Um, and then, you know, you sort of kind of start to go down the funnel and now you're trying to get people to be more engaged. So you're looking at, you know, influencers and affiliates that will put some context and provide that third party validation around, around the product. And then as you go further down the funnel, you've hopefully now caught, captured an email address. So you have the ability to have that one-on-one -on -one dialogue with the customer. You know, we can even 
dynamically populate the customer's name, their dog's name, depending on how much information we've captured from the, the prospect on our site. And you really get into a dialogue with the customer. And that is, um, you know, kind of, we own those channels. So, you know, you hope that as they go through that funnel and come out the other end, you've blended your paid marketing with your non-paid and you come out in a good place from a CAC perspective. And so we're always looking at pulling lots of different levers so that on balance, we have a, a healthy uh, acquisition cost. Yeah. And as we said, it's a very passionate audience. So what, what has been, if you had to you know, name the top, the top channel for your acquisition, where do you get the most leads from? I'd say the most leads today still come from Facebook and Instagram, which is staying at volume. But we're we're by no means dependent on Facebook the way we were, let's say, at the beginning, and probably even relative to other companies. And I think that we have such rich content, whether it's the visual of the dog, you know, doing something cute, or you know, the pet parent hugging their dog. There's a lot there that we can play off of and not be so heavily reliant on, you know, buying every, um, you know, new customer. Um, so we definitely leverage that. And, you know, we do really like look for opportunities where we can get some, you know, earn media, um, you know, in, 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 you know, in PR. So, you know, it, it's, I think, um, uh, the way to look at it is is just over time to try to become less and less dependent on Facebook. But for sure, you know, today it's still where we can get the biggest bang for our buck in terms of reach. Yeah, you can't get away from Facebook just yet. Um, right. It's a it's a common it's a common complaint. Okay, so we're going to stay on marketing. Um, tell us how you work with influencers. What's that relationship like, and where do you where do you find these people? Sure. I mean, really, we ha- we have a marketing manager in-house that just scours the internet for uh, influencers on online, so Instagram, uh, Facebook, that are putting out content that we think is relevant to our audience. So they're talking about their food, they're, they're, sorry, they're talking about their pet in different ways. And, you know, they, you know, the influencers that are health conscious and really talk about, you know, the way they um, kind of apply their own health uh, principles to their dog's life. They, you know, those, those all make sense to us. So we just DM those influencers and ask them for, you know, if they want to work with us on, on a project and, um, the response is really very good. And actually we now get probably just as much inbound as we do outbound. Um, you know, obviously cause pet plate is better known today. So, um, uh, we just call through it and we see if it's a good fit. It's not always a good fit. You know, some people are just looking to have as many, I guess, you know, endorsements as possible. So right. we definitely have our own criteria that we apply. And, um, you know, we, we did start off John at the very beginning working with an, an agency and it was incredibly helpful to put like a system in place so that it was much, you know, we'd be able to do this efficiently on our own. Um, but we probably ended that about 18 months ago and, and we took it in house and it's been working fine. I would say that if we do decide to scale that, we probably need a tech platform to manage it right now. We just manage it with Google sheets, but there are tech platforms out there that really do help you, you know, just kind of manage that whole process of like introductions and then, you know, the, the, you know, the actual like content and then the the commissions or whatever. So, or the fees. So it's probably going to be necessary this year, but for now we still manage it just on our own. So it could get unwieldy just managing all this through a spreadsheet because then you've got all these different levers hitting and everything like that. Understood. Um, Brittany, you said you're going to, you had a specific thing you wanted to ask. Yeah. Um, this like as i'm listening more and like hearing the product explained like verbally i cannot help but to think about 
how much my boyfriend's parents would be obsessed with this. Like I'm immediately going to text them about it because they have an English bulldog named Thor and he has a ton of health problems as English bulldogs do. And you know, they make him like his own ground beef and rice mixture, but they're like obsessed with him being healthy and they spend a lot on like tear medicine and like hip medicine and stuff like that. And like you like you said, they're like one of your target demographics. Both of their kids are out. They're like being super extra with their dog because that's right. like their life right now. And I could just like see them being obsessed. Like I'm obsessed with this. Like as as we're going on in the in the podcast here. I like well, you can also sell this them on the fact great. that they don't have to take the dog to the vet as much anymore. Yeah, because <laughs> Thor is at the vet like every other month with something going Probably on. More like than your dad, right? <laughs> yeah. So this is this is just great. Like I I am learning so much listening to this. <laughs> All right, you, Gertrude, you have a new customer. So, <laughs> so I can tell you that the um the sort of feedback we get is like nothing I've ever seen in my 20 plus year career. Um, you know, and I've worked, most of my career has been spent in human food and beverage and you, know, you do get good, you know, feedback from time to time. If you have a great product, people tell you, Oh, I love the product. It's great. You know, I drink it all the time or, you know, I feel good when I'm on the product. This is different because we get very detailed feedback as to like the specific benefits. So, you know, things like, um, you know, my dog um, basically couldn't really, you know, eat their eat his food anymore. You know, and and he was losing all kinds of weight. And I, you know, I tried to make food, and then he'd get tired of that, and it just went on for like a year. I tried, you know, six different types of food, and then boom, pet plate arrived. My dog now devours his food twice a day, every day. I don't have to stress about it. You know, the weight he's put the weight back on. And he's maintaining it because every we portion the food to the calories so they never get more or less than they need. And it's just like those type of um, testimonials are just, for me, that was a new thing. And I think it has to do with this bond between the pet parent and, and the pet. And I think because the pet can't speak for themselves, the pet parent winds up doing that, but in, in a lot of detail. And, and these like very specific issues that you know, different breeds have and the way that this food winds up becoming like a medicine, right? And so yeah, I was gonna say holistic, right? We really get like, really fascinating, like in depth reports as to what changed in either the behavior or the constitution or the, you know, just the health and well being of the dog. And it's, it's fascinating. Yeah, and it's, I was gonna say, because if you could be selling some kind of health cure to a human, be it a smoothie or a diet or I'm on keto or I'm fasting, but there's so many variables and it's like, do you feel better? I'm not sure, but right. you can look at that dog and you can know if your dog is feeling good or your dog is not exactly. feeling well. You can tell if your dog is scratching or not scratching. So it's really a very quantifiable yeah. thing. Exactly. And I, I must give you a lot of satisfaction though. I mean, it to does. Be, be in the space because I'm, I'm a dog person and I, I love everything you're saying. I'm actually, I'm probably going to sign up. <laughs> two new customers. <laughs> this was worth your time. Uh, Brittany, anything else? Yeah, I was actually going to say the same exact thing. I was going to say it's like, it's, it's crazy how we don't pay attention to how the effects of something we're taking are working on us. Like we could like, we're like, yep, yeah, maybe I feel better. But with our dog, <laughs> we like watch them. Yeah, exactly. I need to drink water. But with the dog, we like watch them with such a close eye that the minute their tear ducts clear up and the minute they're like, um, overall like mobility and activity gets better. Like we know that right away. We can mm -hmm. like track it right away because we pay such close attention to our animals where like our eyes are like physically on them at all times. So it's yeah. like so quantifiable. And I think that's what's like the coolest thing about yeah. the product and the industry. So awesome. True. All right. So let's talk about Pet Plate as a company. You had mentioned you are raising money right now. 
John, we just actually raised a round of funding. Uh, we just closed our Series A, and we're really excited about it. We have some terrific investors involved in this round. Um, they are strategic, and um, we're going to be making an announcement shortly about who they are. But we love the the fact that they will be they're coming in not just with the financial capital we need, but with the human capital as well um, for us to grow the business in different ways. You know, get into other product lines, get into other distribution channels, other marketing channels. And so having investors that are, they'll be on our board that will help us um, really shepherd like the next 24 months um, and help us really capitalize on all the opportunity is what we're really excited about with this round. That's awesome. So uh, are there any plans to expand away from subscription uh, as in like go to retail or anything like that? You guessed it. <laughs> okay. That's what I, figured. I guess that's the way to grow. Yeah. That's great. We'll keep an eye on for that. All right. Let's talk a little bit about you. Uh, being an entrepreneur obviously is demanding work. What is a typical day like for you? You can be as specific or non-specific as you like, but keep in mind that there are fellow entrepreneurs probably listening to this and would love to hear how you spend your day. Sure. Well, I'm not going to lie. It's a lot of work and it's, uh, it, it, it tends to be kind of a long day. Um, but you know, our motto at Pet Plate is really just to work smart, not hard. Um, so we look at ways of creating efficiencies in the organization. We do use a lot of tech platforms, which helps a lot. So try to reduce the amount of manual labor. So we're not looking to just, you know, put in the hours for the sake of putting in hours. We, we really just work really constructively, um, we really believe in collaboration. So one plus one equals three. And, you know, we just want to get the work done so that we can have time outside the office to refresh, recharge and enjoy other things in life, you know, besides work. So, um, yeah, I start my day by dropping my nine-year-old son off at school and I love the walk to school. We have a really nice chat and get the day started that way. And that gets me up and out early and a little bit of exercise just in terms of a walk. And then I get right to the office and then, you know, we work very diligently throughout the day. I mean, I encourage everybody on my team to take breaks. I, you know, suggest everybody take a true lunch break and, you know, away from their desk, you know, proper digestion, you know, get your mind off of work for a little bit. You know, I always say take breaks throughout the day, hydrate, um, take a little walk around the office, you know, have a chat with somebody about something other than pet plate. I just think it's good not to get too, too, myopic um, because you just can, you, you'll burn out. And so I'm happy to say, you know, at our, our company, which, you know, you know, we're startup now, we're more like, you know, a little bit more mature than that. Um, there really hasn't been that sort of burnout that I've heard about in some other companies. Um, our, you know, employee retention is extremely high. We have people been with the company since day one. And uh, we love that. And it, it just creates bonds, you know, between the staff that are really um, tremendous. And, um, and so I work throughout the day. And then, you know, I make sure just to be at home for dinner with my family. And um, we always have a little kind of, you know, relaxation after after dinner. And then I sometimes have to get back online for, you know, an hour or so um, after my son goes to bed, which I'm, I'm okay with. But, you know, I try my best to get the work done during the day and leave only, you know, little to, to no, no work, you know, at home. And then on the weekend is really where I kind of just, and I encourage us with everybody um, at Pet Plate to really just try to, you know, enjoy your hobbies, enjoy your friends, enjoy your family, you know, um, get the rest you need. Um, really just try to take your mind off of work because I just believe that that makes us much more productive during the week. Awesome. Yeah. I, 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 you said some interesting things there about burnout. I think uh, companies now, even even smaller agile companies are getting away from the old uh, 
startup mentality with the ping pong tables and the drinking and the crazy partying. And I think there's now this kind of blend of you're working hard, but don't burn yourself out and take care of yourself and just yeah. be, be yeah. more, you know, be more present, be more mindful about things instead of just like this, Hey, I work 18 hours a day. I mean, that doesn't get you anywhere except. Uh, right. I, and you don't want to just put things in the office that kind of trap people here. You know, it's sort of like use the office to be, a place where you can really concentrate, you know, be with your teammates, get the work done, and then sort of like be outside the office to enjoy the rest of life, you know? Yeah. That, that, yeah. That's kind of how we operate too. It's it's not because a lot of these startups were like, we give you free food and free dry cleaning. Well, all that means is you can never leave. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, the other thing I'd say is, you know, just by extension, like this concept of like unlimited vacation. Well, you know, what I've heard from a lot of people is that then they don't know what they really can take and not They don't know what the expectation is. Exactly. So I just set some some guardrails and say like, look, you know, you're at this level, you know, we know you're going to have to be putting in this much, you know, uh, you know, it's it's going to be mentally taxing like at this level you need this much vacation because every year you need to have be away completely for, you know, to unwind for this much time and you know that that's that's what we we do and then we have a very flexible policy when it comes to, you know, when you need to get something done in your personal life, a doctor's appointment, you know, a specific type of errand, you know, just do it. And, and that shouldn't eat up your vacation. You know, you should still have your vacation and then just let's all be mature about it. And if you have to get something done outside the office, just get it done. And, and, you know, I know you'll get your work done as well. At Sumo Heavy, we operate exactly the same way. Whereas if you need to get, take care of something, you know, as long as you're getting your work done. And as our, as our CEO, Bart Moraz says, you do you. <laughs> yeah. Take care of what you right. got to take care of. The work will get done. Uh, yeah. You know, you don't have to kill yourself. Right. You know, right. We're not we're not saving lives here. Exactly. All right. So, what does success look like for Pet Plate? How would you quantify that? Well, we expect to grow a lot in the next few years. You know, to be honest, we just raised this um, Series A round of funding, so it's really going to give us a lot of fuel to scale the business. And so, you know, we look to grow rapidly. And I think getting into new channels, getting into new product lines, and just really getting in front of more consumers with the current products um, that we offer is really going to help us grow exponentially. Um, I think, again, the subscription engine is really fantastic. And, and you really can look out over like five years and see, you know, pretty hyper growth. That's real, um, you know, just because we know what our retention looks like today. And that, in theory, should only get better as we continue to you know, expand the offering, you know, enhance the experience. And so, yeah, I mean, we see this as a hundred million dollar company in, you know, the next several years, I can't say exactly when, but um, it, it has that, that sort of growth potential. I mean, we think the category overall, fresh food, fresh cooked food for dogs um, and, you know, cats as well is really the future and is going to just continue to expand. And eventually we think we'll dominate the pet industry because we think, over the next decade, there'll be more and more evidence that fresh a fresh diet supplemented. Obviously, it needs to be supplemented to make sure that the 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 formulations are appropriate for a dog's diet or a cat's diet, depending on the case. Um, but that that really will eventually kind of replace the old school thinking of you can use really substandard ingredients that are not fit for human the human food chain. Um, and just give it to the pets. I think that's just going to be a very old school thinking that, you know, 10 years from now, you know, we'll look back and think, you know, oh boy, what were you thinking? You know, and it, it'll just be the norm to to feed your dog a fresh, fresh cooked diet. Um, so I'm going to play off of that. 
are you have do you have concerns about the big pet food companies muscling in on your territory or how, what's the feeling on that great question so right now no and that really has to do with supply chain this is really one of the great barriers to entry for any company doing you know what we do fresh cooked food is that it does require a very distinct supply chain unlike any other current like uh, other pet food offering um you know sort of in the dry space or in the can space so factory food yeah so you have to like in our case we make the food in a usda facility alongside other human food no not not at the same time it's run at a different time of day on a different line but it's all under the roof of a usda inspected facility and it's this you know it's the same inputs that go into other human food made at that facility so what that does is it creates you know very very high bar in terms of quality assurance and and safety um which we love and and, and consistency as well and um you know that's just like not something a large pet food company that's currently making kibble which is an extruded process could just jump into that's like going into a whole new business so you know could they start a new business they can but that's basically what we did you know we started a new business and you know so i think just like what we've seen in the human food space there's probably at you know most strategics i would think are looking at this category and thinking do we buy or build and right. you know just as we've seen in the human food and beverage category oftentimes it's just easier to buy you know if the if the business is is uh is stable and and you know if it's got the right foundation and it's it's a sustainable business um it's hard to rationalize as a large company that has a lot of um you know just it can be a little bit um they can be a little bit inflexible you know getting into something brand new it, it might you know probably easier to bolt on something that already exists um, so that's generally what we think, um, you know, an exit looks like for, for companies in our space, but we'll see. Yeah. Cause I would, I was going to agree with you there. It's, you would think like a large company like that, then it doesn't matter what it is. It bolt on a, you know, acquire a company such as yourself and then create a boutique brand around it, but not necessarily put it under the corporate umbrella, right. just kind of do it like that. Right. All right, we're going to ask you a couple uh, more personal questions. Uh, what is the best advice you can give an entrepreneur or startup right now? What's the best tip you give them to struggle who are struggling? You know, maybe somebody's got that that idea. What's the What's the one piece of advice you give them to move their idea forward? Sure, make sure it's necessary. You know, I think there's like a lot of great ideas, but if you don't have a, if you can't see a well-defined need you could really be spinning your wheels. And I think the businesses that take off and do the best is because they're really delivering a solution to either a problem that existed or just filling up a void that, you know, there just wasn't a solution there in the first place. So whether that be a convenience factor, um, you know, some kind of an experience, but you really have to know that people want, you know, it's more than just like, oh yeah, that, that you know, would be nice to have. It's more like, I need to have that. And if you, if you crack that, your business will take off. Yeah. You have to solve a problem because I see so many funny things where it's like, you know, especially if you, I don't know if you've ever heard the consumer electronics show, but it's basically sure. all the new inventions, inventions come in. and yeah. it's like this guy invented a chair that, that, that pushes itself in. Was there a need for that? Who knows, <laughs> but he's putting all his eggs in his basket to put a self parking chair. So, you know, yeah, you have to solve a problem first. Exactly. All right. Uh, one other question for you. What would you do if you weren't doing this? I'd probably be consulting 
founders and investors. I mean, I do like, um, I've spent a lot of my career in the, in consulting. Um, I mostly, I either work through an agency or I worked on my own and, um, I really do like to mentor founders. Um, I like to consult with investors in terms of, you know, what investments to make and how to deploy. And once the investment is made, consulting with both the investor and the founder as to how to best deploy the capital to get the biggest um, ROI. So I think I would probably be a consultant again. Um, and what that does is it obviously creates a lot more free time and flexibility, uh, which we be nice to get back. Um, but for now, I'm, I'm so passionate about what we're building here and I'm enjoying it so much. I really don't think about, you know, the next step, but you know, it's not, you know, since you asked, I would say, yeah, that that's probably what I'll, I'll do next. Awesome. Okay. We're coming up towards the end here. So I always ask this question at the end of our interviews, what was the last thing you bought online? A beautiful handbag from Rebecca Minkoff. Oh, no. No. A little indulgence there. Huh? Very yeah. nice. Very nice. Because we've had some some oddball answers. And you're the first one that just gave us the straight up answer there. So I don't buy online too much, to be honest. So that's why it kind of stands out. And um, yeah, it's just uh, somebody, I don't know, came up in conversation, you know, that her, her, her style is beautiful and uh, it's well priced. And, you know, they've made it much more accessible online. It used to be, I had to really get into a department store and comb through a lot of stuff. And now that it's online, it's just way right. easier and it gets shipped to your door. And um, yeah. So tell us why you said you, you just said you don't order much online. Is there a reason behind that? I just don't think I have enough time in the day to really do online shopping. So I really just buy more out of necessity, but when I do need something more and more, I realize I can get it online much easier um yeah. and faster and, and sometimes cheaper so um but i'm just yeah i just i think you need time some you know to, to browse online so i'm just more doing it like i said out of necessity gotcha okay we're gonna wrap it up uh this is the part where you can give a shameless plug uh tell us anything you want to say people want to get a hold of you just it's floor is yours sure uh well I would love everybody to check out petplate.com. Um, if you have a dog or if you have somebody in your life that has a dog, just to explore the benefits of a fresh cooked diet. You know, we have a lot of education on our site. We have a pretty robust blog. If you leave your wet, your email address on our website, we'll be able to send you some um, great newsletters that provide a lot of great content for how to take care of your dog. So I think what I always encourage people to do is just learn more about the benefits and, you know, give it a try. If you're, if you're inclined, you know, see if the, if the results are there. Um, and if it works for you, you know, we'd love to uh, be able to, you know, serve you and your dog for years to come. Yeah, that's great. And if you check out the website, you can see a picture of the founder, Ronaldo Webb and his dog, Winston. And you can check out the different flavors, which I love chomping chicken, barking beef, tail wagging turkey, lip licking lamb. What's I love that. <laughs> Yummy. I love that. All right, Gertrude, thank you for joining us on the show. Thank and you. if you like listening to the show, please tell your friends, share, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. And if you want to get in touch with us, find us on the social medias everywhere at Sumo Heavy. And finally, if you want to learn more about Sumo Heavy, head on over to our website, sumoheavy.com. We'll see you next time in the ring.